Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, welcome back to the Play Like a Girl podcast, one of the shows for SB Nation's Ohio State site, Land Grant Holy Land. We are two girls talking about sports because our opinion counts too. I'm your host, Meredith Hine, and I'm thrilled to be joined today by my co-host, Megan Hesslein. Hey Meredith, super happy to talk about the Buckeyes' big win this week. I'm feeling good. It was a confidence booster. You know what's so weird is like, I'm equally excited, but it's Akron. <laughs> I don't even care at this point. Like, we just really needed a dominating win, and we got it. So thank God. I honestly was, like, 1% nervous, I'm not going to lie, because with this Ohio State team, it seems like you just don't know. But they pulled through, and they looked good, so I'm happy. Yeah, and, like, I'm feeling better. I feel like there's a piece that... I feel like it's very common with Ohio State that you never doubt that they will beat the team they're supposed to beat. Um, and I feel like, you know, like Minnesota is a conference opponent. Like they're not going to be a pushover game one. Oregon's obviously a very good football team. And Tulsa, as we said last week, and as they're probably sick of hearing, was a very good 0-3 team. Yeah. Um, but finally showing up and beating a team like Akron, who you were supposed to be the spread was 48 and a half points and Ohio state more than covered. Um, so it was a relief certainly to see that sort of domination that we haven't really seen this season. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they did what they were supposed to do. So hopefully this big win gives them some confidence, you know, switched up some things. I think that was good too. So it was just, a it's a perfectly placed game after how the first three games went. So I'm just glad that it worked out the way we wanted it to. Yeah. And we're going to talk about it later on the show, but to your point of perfect placement, uh, like we're heading into Rutgers week. We're playing on the road in Piscataway and this is not a pushover game, perhaps like we've grown accustomed to with Rutgers. Uh, And we'll discuss it much more in detail later, but it really did, to your previous point, feel like we needed this confidence boost, maybe more than we have in other years heading into conference play. Oh, for sure. I mean, in other years, I feel like we just come out firing, you know, looking really good. But this year, we're kind of a young team and they haven't had a ton of time to kind of mesh together really well. So I feel like this game was kind of the game where that happened. So to your point, Rutgers is looking better this year. So that definitely needed to happen before we go to Rutgers 
and play possibly a tough game there. So, yeah, it's definitely different from past years, but I think everything will still work out, I hope. Fingers crossed. Um, so one of the changes, and this was not new against Akron, it was actually new against Tulsa, um, that really feels like it has benefited Ohio State is Matt Barnes calling plays for the defense instead of the embattled Kerry Coombs. Oh, yeah. This is definitely an upgrade from Kerry Coombs. I mean, our defensive line has done a total 180. Haskell Garrett alone had three sacks. I mean, it was Akron. I feel like we're going to make that point like 10 times. But still, they just look better as a whole unit. You know, I heard Garrett say that they all had the mindset to attack this game, but they all had a collective mindset to go in as a unit, which I think is really important because they all played together and it looked like it too. So it's definitely an improvement with Barnes calling the plays. For sure. Um, I will say that the saga of the last few weeks with Coombs has certainly given me a new appreciation for the level of coaching that you see at this high level. Like Coombs is such an amazing recruiter, but even being able to recruit some of the top defensive classes ever at Ohio state was not enough to keep him comfortably in this position. You know, you also have to be able to be a great play caller. You also have to be able to bring that preparation week in and week out. Um, and I don't know, I feel like, I mean, I can't, I could certainly not do any of those three things well, um, or any of the other things in his job description, but, uh, certainly, uh, an interesting piece there, uh, in terms of, you know, some of the things that he's really great at some of the things he's obviously struggling with. Um, but it feels pretty good to know that Ohio state at least has, if the last two weeks are any indication, someone on the staff who can make those defensive play calls. Right. And I do feel kind of bad for Coombs. I mean, like you said, he is a phenomenal recruiter and we wouldn't be where we are without him and all the players that he's brought here. But it just seems like he is not cutting it when it comes to calling the plays. So, I mean, Matt Matt Barnes seems to be doing well. So I guess just keep going with that until it doesn't work anymore. But I'm glad they did make the change because it was definitely necessary. Yeah. And the timing certainly worked out having uh, Barnes calling plays for two non-conference games before we head into big 10 season. Uh, again, where these stakes are much higher uh, every win or every week is a must win. Um, so we shall see how that goes. Um, so obviously, as I mentioned before, Ohio state more than covered its 48 and a half point spread. Um, which meant that basically by the second quarter, we were hearing a lot of names called that we have never heard before. Uh, Megan, did any of those folks from the bench impress you in particular? Um, there were a few. I mean, you might have heard of this guy named Jack Sawyer. Uh, heard of him. Yeah. I mean, obviously, he's done very well so far this season. He's gotten a decent amount of playing time, actually. And I'm just super impressed with his the combination of his speed and his strength. I mean, he got a big tackle on Akron's quarterback, so he looked great. Um, Evan Pryor, you know, he came in in the fourth quarter, but, hey, he got a touchdown too. So just add him to the great list of quarter or running backs, excuse me, that we have on the roster. So he did well. And then Demario McCall, 
I'm oh just so happy for him. Like, he is so versatile. He's worked so hard. And he racked up four tackles on Saturday. So I'm so happy that he got a – he's gotten a decent amount of playing time too, especially on Saturday. So those two in particular, I think, did really well off the bench. Yeah. I just couldn't believe when it was Demario McCall and Steel Chambers on defense <laughs> right. in the fourth quarter. Um, what an exciting sight to see. Uh, I couldn't agree more. Uh, what was impressive to me too was – and this is no surprise, but just the sheer depth of the roster to where you're on your like sixth and seventh string running backs coming in in the fourth quarter uh, and getting those folks playing time. Uh, we saw the same thing at receiver, especially um, Marvin Harrison Jr. finally getting some playing time. Um, you know, if the greatest, one of the greatest NFL receivers of all time, if his son isn't getting playing time because Ohio state is just so stacked at receiver. Uh, that's pretty impressive. Right. I mean, this whole team is just, they're young, but the young ones are really stepping up into their roles and the backups may not be, you know, freshmen or sophomores, but they're still stepping up into their roles as well. So it's really nice to see that if the starters are injured or, you know, if they're just going to rest for the rest of the game, then we can rely on our backups to, perform and perform well so it's just a really well-rounded roster and it makes the game more exciting too you know you don't know all the names that you're seeing out there but they're doing well so that just makes it even better for sure and you know it's something of a glimpse into the future uh, especially when we're looking at folks who are you know fresh true freshmen redshirt freshmen sophomores uh, who are able to come off the bench and play um but to the point you just made about having kind of this assurance um CJ Stroud obviously did not play at all on Saturday. Uh, Ryan Day had said early on in the week that he would only come in in emergency situations. So, of course, as Ohio State fans were like, if we end up in an emergency against Akron, we have bigger problems. Um, but we did get to see Kyle McCord and Jack Miller. They both did amazing, I think. I mean, we're just going to forget about the first drive of the game with McCord because... That made me very nervous. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he had some butterflies. He's a true freshman. It's his first game ever at home. So that was to be expected. I mean, it was bad. But he bounced back very well and proceeded to be named Big Ten Freshman of the Week. So he just had a phenomenal game as well. And then Jack Miller came in, and I was really impressed with him. I know we were playing Akron. I've said that. And he came in in the second half, so there wasn't as much pressure on him. But he came in right away and looked really well. I mean, he didn't have any butterflies, it seemed like. That was his first collegiate game as well. Those were the first passes of his career. So I thought they both did well under pressure. So I'm impressed with both of them. And I'm curious to see who will be the starter at Rutgers. Yeah, and I saw your column that you wrote saying that if Stroud remains out, Miller should be the pick. Yeah, I specifically liked Miller because, like I said, he just seemed very calm under pressure. And this is a total 180 from the spring game because that was probably the most amount of fans he's ever, you know, had cheer him on. And he did not do well. <laughs> but he totally flipped the script against Akron and looked really good in the short amount of time he played. However, the fact that we're going on the road, I think that might make McCord a little more nervous. I'm sure he would do totally great, but 
we have seen him play, so I think Miller should get the chance to start as well. And then after seeing both of them play, if Stroud should remain out, then we can see who should be the starter going forward. So just my opinion. I mean, shake it up a little, make it fun. Yeah, for sure. Um, On the note of someone who has certainly solidified his own status as the number one at his position, uh, Travion Henderson. Oh my goodness. Um, He played, he had eight carries and almost broke the century mark. He's just phenomenal. I mean, like he has definitely solidified himself as the number one running back, I believe, which is kind of crazy because mine Williams is really great too. And you know, Teague is a good co- or running back as well. So Henderson, I feel like he's just going to break a lot of records this year, especially as a freshman. I think he's going to break the rushing record as a freshman. I called that in July, just saying. But he's just doing so well, and I can't wait to see how he does the rest of the season. Well, I felt like a real idiot because I did our bold predictions on Saturday, and I predicted, I think I got one right, um, but I predicted that Henderson would break the single game rushing record uh, that Trey Sermon uh, broke last year in the Big Ten Championship game. Um, I mean, completely forgetting that if he is in a position against Akron to break the record, he should not be in the game anymore. Uh, and that's exactly what Ryan Day did. Uh, he pulled Henderson after he rushed. Uh, on eight carries for 93 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, and then he got a very well-deserved break on the bench. I mean, the thought was there, sort of. Thanks, I mean, Thanks Megan. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it would make sense, but at the same time, I don't know. I thought he'd play a little longer. I feel like he got pulled kind of early, but I guess, yeah. you know, we were... I think he played just into the second quarter, but... Um, yeah. yeah well... Maybe another game this season. You can predict it again. Yeah. Well, speaking of folks uh, who were resting on the bench, but who maybe did not want to be resting on the bench, um, Ohio State's big win has been somewhat overshadowed by a very bizarre story. In fact, if you've Googled Ohio State football or seen any news about Ohio State football in the last few days, uh, it's not been without a story about this particular incident. Um Kevon Pope, uh, who is a senior, was, sorry, a senior linebacker for Ohio State, um, apparently, I mean, we all know the story. He tried to head onto the field for a sub package, got waved off, started having a bit of a tantrum, tried to go into the locker room, was like talked back out, talked to coaching staff, ended up throwing his gloves in the stand, trying to take his jersey off, and then was escorted off the field. He tweeted a rude thing at halftime about Ohio state football that I'm not allowed to say, cause I don't think we have a bleep button or I don't know how to use it. Um, but then it, like he, he literally like quit the team mid game. Uh, officially he was dismissed on Sunday. It was just so bizarre. This is such a crazy situation. Like I, I don't understand. I mean, you're playing a team where you're literally destroying them. So obviously we're going to give more reps to the non-starters to get them some experience. I mean, that's just how it goes. And then you get upset after one play. I mean, I just don't fully understand what his thought process is. I mean, I, I wish nothing but the best for him. He is staying on scholarship, so that is very generous of Ohio State. 
But he also entered the transfer portal today. So I wonder where he'll end up. I wonder if anyone would be interested in taking him after this incident. I'm with you there. And like, it's an interesting take too, because like, to your point, like the benefit of games like this are you can get younger players in who may have playing time in the future. Like he was a senior, like he wasn't sorry, but he's been beaten out by younger guys. He's been beaten out by older guys. Like at this point, like, you know, it's, you're kind of just like, not everyone who comes to Ohio state is going to play or be a starter. Um, And so, you know, it's a real bummer. And like, it's definitely sad that, you know, he sort of had his dreams fall apart on the field in front of, everyone who was watching on Saturday. Um, but like, yeah, it was, it was just so bizarre and definitely like kind of a bummer that there were a lot of great things that happened on Saturday, obviously like big win for high state, a lot of players who don't normally hear their names called getting their names called, um, and all that sort of getting overshadowed by this very strange incident. Yeah, I agree. I mean, this is making national news. Like, I got a notification from ESPN. This is on Sports Illustrated. It was on Barstool. Like, everyone has heard about it. And I feel like some people are maybe talking about it more than our win and how well our team played. So it is a shame. But at the same time, I guess it happens. I mean, we've had another linebacker leave the program in a week, the same week. But definitely the right way to do it for sure and you know we we're not in the locker room like we're not in the linebackers room um but just give it has to be a frustrating year to be a linebacker at Ohio State right now like you're getting so much criticism from all sides Uh, it is clearly the weakest defensive unit right now um and as players who you know are outstanding players like none of these folks on the field are bad at their jobs, you know? Um, but it has to be frustrating to hear that criticism consistently. Um, and especially if you're a backup, not being able to even beat out someone to be able to get playing time. Um, so certainly, uh, you can imagine the emotions that are bubbling over. And as you mentioned, uh, now two linebackers leaving, uh, in the space of a week. Um, but, We're going to move on uh, because we do have a lot more positive storylines to talk about, um, including exciting matchups from the Big Ten and elsewhere Saturday. Uh, I don't know if you had a chance to watch the Notre Dame-Wisconsin game at Soldier Field. So I saw part of it, but I missed the whole exciting part, which was the fourth quarter. I mean, literally, like, what the heck happened? Like, Wisconsin was up 13 to 10. I literally went to take my dog for a walk and pick up a bagel sandwich and I was gone for 10 minutes (laughs) and I came back and all of a sudden Wisconsin was down like 30 points. I was like, what the heck happened? I was gone for 10 minutes. (laughs) Wisconsin's quarterback just totally fell apart. I mean, two pick sixes in the same quarter, like. I I just, it's terrible. I feel so bad because it was a competitive game, but Wisconsin just blew it in the fourth quarter. For sure. Um, It was very, it was very exciting here in Chicago. I don't often see Notre Dame fans, but they were out and about for sure. Um, In other games, uh, Clemson falling to NC State. 
This made me so happy. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Clemson is just like ugly this year. I mean, DJ is not living up to the high hopes that people had for him. I believe he only had about 111 yards on Saturday. And the fact that it took, they lost in two overtimes. Like they had plenty of chances and they just could not get it done. I mean, DJ threw or threw an incompletion on a fourth down to end the game. And then NC State just went totally wild. It made me so happy. And now I I think Clemson's out of the playoff conversation. Oh, for sure. I mean, to be honest, I don't even know what to do with the ACC anymore. Like, there's there's no one. Um, But anyway. uh, And then... You know, kind of on this last exciting note, Rutgers versus Michigan. This, this one was so bananas. Yeah, I mean, who knew Rutgers this year would do this well? I mean, Michigan. We've all talked about how well they're doing, but Rutgers only lost by a touchdown, so that's why I'm a little anxious for them this week. But I love this quote by Harbaugh. He said. It wasn't pretty, but when they start making a space here pretty on the scoreboard, then we'll worry about that. Like, just name something more Harbaugh-like. Like, he just does not care how his team wins because he just is so nervous that they won't win. So <laughs> it doesn't matter how they get it done as long as they will, I guess. That's true. Um, but, yeah, all the credit in the world to Rutgers. I mean, you know, kind of in the similar vein to Harbaugh, like you don't get points even if you lose. So it, it doesn't help them. The moral victory is not real. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Um, but yeah, Rutgers and Greg Shiano's second year in his second stint at Rutgers, um, certainly managing to do a little of what he was able to do the first time around, which is bring a program from the rock bottom of the conference back to something respectable. Um, so Glad we're catching them on the front end of the season, at least. Um, but yeah, they're they're better than the Rutgers of your. Um, on that note, any more comments on how we're feeling about Rutgers this weekend? Conference play more generally. Um, I just want to comment again on Rutgers and how well they're doing. They've had some big wins to start their season, you know, against temple whatever but against you know pretty good Syracuse team as well so I mean they definitely have some confidence going for them and their quarterback Noah Vidral actually is doing really well to start the season I mean he doesn't have any interceptions he seems to have you know a high completion percentage as well so I'm a little nervous to face that offense uh hopefully our defense can continue their good play but it is still Rutgers, so I I feel like we have that confidence going for us as well. So it'll be an interesting matchup. We shall see. Um, I found this out and thought it was interesting. So Rutgers as a team has had one turnover all season, and they have among the lowest penalty totals, penalty total, penalty yards um, of any team in the NCAA. Wow. Like. That's impressive. That's all Shiano, I feel like. I mean, I feel like he's very tough on making sure that his team is not playing sloppy. And that's going to definitely help them against us. I mean, we're not super sloppy, but 
penalties we're always sloppier than that. I mean, I yeah, mean. we have more than one turnover. I mean, we're probably higher up than them on the penalty list, but that'll definitely be that'll come in handy against us. Wow, that's an impressive stat. Yeah. Um, so looking more broadly, heading into conference play, given what we know now, would you adjust your order of finish for the Big Ten East and West? So I think my biggest shift in the Big Ten East would be Indiana. I think they might finish last, actually. I mean, I had them pretty high up to start the season, but after watching them play a few games, I'm just not very impressed with them at all. And then for Big Ten West, I had Northwestern, you know, at the top, and Minnesota, but, you know, after Ibrahim got injured, they've kind of dropped, but... Iowa is just so dominating. I think I had them pretty high up to start the season, but definitely not finishing first. But I feel like that's almost 100% guarantee that they will finish at the top of the West. So definitely some unexpected teams playing well this season that I did not see coming. Oh, for sure. Um, Certainly uh, Iowa and Penn State emerging as top five teams is really, really fascinating. Um, and real, you know, I didn't, I wasn't super high on Penn state to enter the season. I felt like my love for my dear husband, the Iowa fan biased me to move Iowa up a little bit, but now they're actually legit. So I feel pretty strong behind that prediction prediction now. Um, but anyway, yeah, uh, I think you're correct. Like moving Indiana all the way down, like, I don't know, they're terrible and a terrible opening game. Um, but we shall, of course, learn more uh, next week when every team, I believe, is in conference play. Um, on that note, uh, we've got more coming up for you, but we are going to take a quick break first. So stay with us. Welcome back. So, Megan, I'm sorry about your jets. It's just a never-ending cycle. Like, being a Jets fan is just, you're set up for a life of disappointment. And it was just no different on Sunday. I mean, it wasn't even all on Zach Wilson. Like, our receivers can't catch all of a sudden. Our offensive line gave him absolutely zero protection. So it's just the whole team. I mean, there were penalties. Our defense looked bad. The coaching was bad. Just everything was bad, and I'm already accepting our fate. Who knows? Maybe we'll be winless this season, you know? Trying hey, to be like the Browns. Brand new number one overall quarterback. I honestly feel like we might. Like, we're just, I don't know. I have no answer for this team. I feel like we're doomed for eternity. I'm sorry. If it helps, I've been there before. At least you're coming out of it, though. <laughs> it's true. Um, so the Browns did get a big win over Chicago on Sunday and Justin Fields first start. Um, nine sacks, nine. This like, come on, that had to make you sad for Justin. I mean, well, he just did got you watch the, Did you watch the very end of the game? I don't know if you watched any of the game. No, I missed it. Oh my God. So they just showed Justin Fields. And at one point he just like stared up in the sky and it looked like he was crying. And I was like, Oh, oh no, I so feel bad. so bad. I mean, what miles Garrett had four and a half sacks alone. He, he did. Like, he did. Like, like, 
This should be an indication that it's not Justin Fields' fault. Half his sacks were the pocket literally just collapsed. Right. Like, after not very much time. And yes, you know, there were a couple of times that he tried to scramble and was immediately chased down. And, you know, the commentary in the Hein household, at least, was that, uh, you know, Fields is quickly recognizing that, oh, this defensive end is just as fast as me. Um, you know, when you're in college, you can assume that if you're, you know, that level of talent, you're going to outrun everyone. Like you'll be able to beat most people that you come up against, but heck you're in the NFL now, like folks can catch you. Um, and so, but anyway, all that said, uh, I place a lot of this on the offensive line being unable to block Cleveland's superior defensive line. Oh, I totally agree. I mean, Justin didn't play great, but like I would barely put any blame on him. Like his offensive line just let him get destroyed. And he actually got a x-ray on his hand. Luckily, the results seem uh, have a positive outlook. But I'm scared if he keeps playing, then he might end up injured like Joe Burrow did last year because their offensive lines are both just terrible. So I wonder if he'll get you know, start again next week. Like I want him to get a second chance, but his offensive line has to step it up if he has any chance to do well. Yeah, he certainly took a beating. Um, well, something that we can all get excited about at Adidas basketball started airing a new commercial on Sunday. Um, I'm not sure if you had a chance to see it. Yeah, I did. It was like, at first I was so confused because all these star athletes are, you know, listing off all these, accomplishments and awards and I was like I had no idea who they were talking about and it was Candace Parker I was like wow what a spotlight to shine on a female athlete that was great oh I loved it um I just love how sponsors are finally beginning to incorporate WNBA stars women's national team stars into their advertising it's like they recognize that people actually know who they are and love that sponsorship so (laughs) (laughs) Right. I mean, there's definitely a growing fan base for women's sports. Probably basketball and soccer are, you know, near the top. So it's just, it's so relieving to finally see that they're getting the recognition that they deserve. Because obviously there is just as hardworking as male athletes and they just haven't gotten the same appreciation. So it was just really awesome to see some of the biggest male stars uh, in sports just come together in this commercial and highlight all of Candace Parker's accomplishments. Yeah. And I can't remember if it was Sue Bird or Diana Taurasi who before the Olympics um, was talking about how she thought her greatest accomplishment would be, maybe it was even Don Staley. It was one of the like old timers in the WNBA um, was talking about how when she was growing up, her biggest dream was playing in the Olympics because the WNBA wasn't a thing. Um and it's just very cool to see these female athletes like being out there and showing that like this is actually like a thing you can aspire to, um, you know, if you're an outstanding athlete. So I think that's pretty cool. Um, and, you know, it's certainly advertising that feels important uh, because also this week, uh, a study from the Institute for Diversity and Ethics in Sports, also known as TIDES, uh, found that to the surprise of absolutely no one, sports media remains overwhelmingly white and male. Uh, this is just so unfortunate. I mean, I want to go into sports broadcasting and I've always known 
It's not going to be easy. I mean, it's a male-dominated field. And while the statistics showed that um, race has improved, there's more diversity when it comes to race in the sports media world, there's just low-key, like, no no improvement at all when it comes to gender. And ESPN is actually, like, leading the way and paving the way for females to work their way into the industry. But without them, the stats are just terrible. If you get a chance, you should definitely take a look at this study. But it's just saddening because there's so many females out there that have such a passion for sports and want to work in sports, and they just are not given nearly as many as opportunities as men. It's a real bummer. That's yeah. <laughs> that sums it up. I'm sorry. Yep. <laughs> um, but one thing that feels like it has shifted in the last couple of years, and you know, we mentioned this with the Candace Parker commercial, uh, but is the coverage of the WNBA, and maybe it's because. Um, you know, sports media kind of has this thing to anchor on that's becoming increasingly popular, that's gaining more and more investment. Um, but it has certainly grown. Uh, and one of the things that we saw recently um, is just on Sunday, the Phoenix Mercury eliminated the Seattle Storm in the second round of the WNBA playoffs in overtime. Uh, the big news there was that Diana Taurasi may have played her last game against Sue Bird uh, with Bird pondering retirement uh, following the loss. Yeah, I mean, it's just crazy to think about the WNBA without Sue Bird. I mean, she's just such a legend in the sport. She's paved the way for so many young girls who have wanted to join a professional basketball league, and she's made it possible. I mean, she has, her resume is just outstanding. And she's also um, the co-president of the Players Union for the WNBA. So she just does so much stuff on and off the court for female basketball empowerment. And if that was her last game against Diana Taurasi, she will certainly be missed. I mean, she's just, like I said, such a legend in this sport. But she also deserves a retirement. I mean, she's just played forever. So, yeah, I mean... Five Olympic gold medals? I mean, you know, just just five. <laughs> Casual. Yeah, nothing nothing big. But, yeah, she's just such a legend in this sport. So I'm curious to see if she does end up retiring after this loss. Yeah. Um, on a very, like, cool note, uh, she and Diana Trossi did do a jersey swap after the game, which was... <laughs> it just warmed my heart, but at the same time, of, I was crying. Feelings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Two legends of the sport coming together for the last time. That's always, always sad, but happy. It's very bittersweet. All right. Uh, that's all we've got for today. Before we wrap up the show, Megan, shall we do our shout outs? Yeah. You know, I got to shout out my Yankees. I mean, they just swept the Red Sox at Fenway. Stanton homeward in every game. Judge looked great. Everyone looked great. We now have control of the wild card. I'm just so happy. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm content. <laughs> well, maybe I should shout out Miles Garrett for his four and a half sacks. Um, okay. No, I'm actually, uh, I want to shout out. Um, so, my husband went to the Iowa football game um, on Saturday and he came home and he was excited to share that there was actually a female ref at the game. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. And I was excited. And so I was trying to look her up and see who she was. Uh, and I'm not sure if we talked about this on the show, but I wanted to make sure I shouted out 
uh, Maya Chaka, who made history as the NFL's first black female ref uh, officiating a game this year. Um, So joining the likes of Sarah Thomas, um, who was one of Tia and my favorite people to talk about, um, the first female uh, to referee for an NFL game. Um, So yeah, excited to see uh, women on on the field as refs, as coaches. Um, You know, we had the a kicker for Vanderbilt last year. We're, we're making our way into football. Yeah. I love that. You know, get more into the broadcast booth now. Yeah. Troy went out for goodness sakes. Well, Oh yeah, I agree. (laughs) And Joe Buck. I'm sorry. (laughs) Oh my God. Can we just get a new crew? (laughs) For real. America's game of the week is the worst (laughs) game to watch. Oh, Hey, I heard that the, uh, I forget what it was, but one baseball game on ESPN coming up is going to have an all-female broadcast team. So I'm excited for that. I saw that. That's incredible. See, we're so getting excited. there. We're getting Maybe there. I'll actually watch the baseball game. I don't know. Oh, there you go. Hopefully <laughs> something will get you to watch baseball. <laughs> oh my gosh. The snacks, they'll usually get me there. we have for today as a reminder you can follow megan at megan hustline me at meredith hine and the site at langrant 33 we'll talk to you soon thanks again for listening to play like a girl and as always go bucks